Good morning, Old South Church. Happy Juneteenth. It's everybody's Juneteenth day now. It's just not for black folks. I'm just saying. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our God, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. So the stars of this text this morning are God, Moses, Pharaoh, and a bunch of frogs. And I want to paraphrase what was read so beautifully this morning and say it in other words. Moses said to Pharaoh, when do you want me to remove these frogs? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. You know, there are major thoroughfares of scripture in the Bible. And what I mean is there are tremendous highways of scripture. You can take them right out of the Bible and they speak for themselves. The 23rd Psalms is one of them. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that we might live and have abundant life. And then there's Revelations 24, 21.4. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the older order of things has passed away. And there's more great texts, and certainly one that I could have chosen this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So you might be saying to yourself, why is Reverend Cooper dragging us to this back alley scripture? Today on Juneteenth, the time to celebrate. A conversation about a frog? Frogs, really? Seems kind of shabby. And it even looks worse. <laughs> you know, it's a sort of a sidebar kind of a story. It doesn't seem like anything major's going on here. It doesn't seem to have the, the magnitude or the elegance of other scriptures that we could choose for Juneteenth. But you know what? I have learned that some of the best eating in the world happens on the side streets of life. Down at the cantina, down at the bodega, down at Charlie's before they changed management. <laughs> right? That, you know, the people are lined up outside of the door to get the food because there's something in that food that they like and it tastes really good. So there are some good places to go eating in scripture. So today we're at one of those. We're at, we're at the, the swamp. We're at the swamp this morning. But the bigger story is this. That God has been working through history to liberate God's people and to get our attention to end slavery and oppression. The first liberation movement is documented in the book of Exodus. The main characters, as you know, are God, Moses, Pharaoh, and the bunch of frogs that we're gonna talk about. And Pharaoh, who refuses to bend and to bow to the mighty sovereignty of the God of Israel and the Hebrew people. And there's a constant dance back and forth, back and forth, about the liberation and the freeing of people. 
So there are 10 plagues that come across Egypt as God's trying to get Pharaoh's attention. This plague of the frogs is the second one. So God has instructed Moses to go to Pharaoh and ask if the enslaved people could come out to the wilderness to worship their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Sarah. But God sends Moses, and Moses delivers the message. And I don't believe God is trying to be cruel, but I think God is trying to get Pharaoh's attention. So before long, what happens? As it was so beautifully read, what came? The frogs came. And they just didn't show up as one or two. It was a bunch of them. They were in the bedroom. They were in the sanctuary at Old South Church. I heard that they were even over in Gordon Chapel. I heard that they were over in Copley Square. I heard they came up in the bathrooms. They were everywhere. They were in the restaurants. Egypt is overrun by these frogs. And in Egyptian culture, frogs were sacred. And sometimes they were even feared. But whatever it was, it was just too many frogs. Too much. Too much. So Pharaoh calls for Moses to come and get rid of the frogs. And in my sacred imagination on some of my better days, I can imagine that Moses walks into the royal palace and he even has a frog on a little leash in his arm saying, Pharaoh, did you call for me? Matter of fact, I got your text this morning and I saw it down on TikTok that you were having a problem. Moses is petting that little frog. Pharaoh says, get rid of these frogs. They're everywhere. They got to go. Moses asks the question in a very kind and gentle way. When, when do you want them removed? And wonders of wonder, Pharaoh says what? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. You got to be kidding, Pharaoh. So, as we approach the celebration of Juneteenth, which is a national holiday now, I think this story begs a question. Why does America continue to hold on to the frog of racism and white supremacy? Can you imagine what the world would be like without racism and the amount of time and the energy that we put into this thing. As Christians, there's an urgency, I believe, to get rid of this toxic ideology, to dismantle systems of oppression. Why is there not an urgency to heed God's call on our lives and extend God's love? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. So every day at about 10.30, there were two older men and they went out on a porch. I think they went out on Father's Day too. Happy Father's Day, by the way. <laughs> they went out on a porch and they sat in these rocking chairs. And they sat there at about 11 o'clock, about, about half an hour after they got out there, a dog would join them on the porch. 
And every day the dog would go and take his place like the two guys had their special seats. The dog would take his place on a board that had a nail sticking up in it. And they would just watch this. But one day one of the men said, why does that dog keep sitting on that, that nail that keeps protruding from the floorboard? The other man looked over and said, because it doesn't hurt enough. He sits on the nail because it doesn't hurt enough. My Christian friends, what does it mean to celebrate Juneteenth in the wake of 10 African-American people being gunned down while going about their daily routine of shopping in a store in Buffalo, New York? What does it mean to celebrate Juneteenth while black Americans have fewer voting rights rights protection today than we had in August of 1965. What does it mean to celebrate a holiday of emancipation when we have more and brown and black people in jail at rates that are higher than our representation in the population? What does it mean when we wait for justice, when we hear about our children and we worry about our children experiencing the violence at the hands of the police. And black moms and dads have to train and teach their kids how to keep themselves safe from the police. And Pharaoh said tomorrow. Now many of you know that Martin Luther King has been hijacked by corporate interests and people seeking to de-emphasize King's radical message of love and equality and the ab uh, abolishment of poverty. And they've kind of made it into a feel-good kind of service day. You know, we go do something for a day and we're done next year. However, we need to not let that happen to Juneteenth. Our Christian community is called to resist the commercialization of that day. As a church of God, Juneteenth is a day for us to commit to the struggle of liberation and acts and act in the future, act as if the future is now. Juneteenth calls for us to have an active presence in the public square as sanctuary and as witness. Harriet Tubman once said, God's time of emancipation is always near. God meant I should be free. Harriet Tubman was absolutely right. And I'll take it a little further and say God meant that we all, folks wrapped up in all hues of skin, would be free. Juneteenth is an opportunity for the Christian community to boldly lead the way towards building a just community, a fair society, to let the sin of racism go free. But there is a constant struggle against settling for what is possible rather than striving for what is demanded of us as faithful people of God. Now, when I did the early morning service, I talked about my list that keeps me up at night. I don't know what's keeping you up at night. I'll give you my list. Inflation. I just kind of retired. <laughs> Government corruption. Climate has changed. It's not changing. It has it's changed. The normalization of hate. That keeps me up. Nationalism keeps me up. 
But here is the question. Do you choose the frog and bondage, or do you choose to make a commitment to the struggle for the liberation of all of God's people and a commitment to God's inclusive community and radical love? Don't answer too soon. We're not at the altar call yet. <laughs> because in saying yes, you're going to have to learn how to swim in frog-infested waters. And that's going to be kind of uncomfortable. If you choose to be in the struggle for the liberation of our siblings and all of God's people, and you say yes to God's transformative love, we have to be able to sit and listen to hard stories. We can't run away when we listen to other people's realities that are different than ours. And we can't romanticize those stories either. We need to listen, and we need to listen to our own heart. If you're willing to join this struggle for the liberation of all God's people, it demands a life of justice, action, and engagement. You have two opportunities this week. It demands a life that defies the odds, it majors in hope, and it minors in despair. It means that you need to speak up and use your voice to demand justice when everyone is silent and the, and the minority has gone home, you need to speak the truth in love. It means showing up for Black Lives Matter standouts and praying with your feet and marching. Can I get a witness this morning? You're all quiet. All right, all right. Being in the struggle for the liberation of all of God's people requires us to bear witness to the truth of God's love with courage. It requires us to tell the truth about our nation's painful history and racialized trauma. If you choose to be a part of God's beloved community, one must look within and without for opportunities to disrupt the forces of white supremacy and to honor and to celebrate the dignity and the contribution of all people, particularly people of color that are wrapped in different color skins. We must be curious you must be able to ask questions. You must be vulnerable. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Okay. So this spring, I had the privilege of leading a group of faith leaders from Dallas, Texas, on a civil rights pilgrimage. We started in Memphis, and we went to um, Montgomery. We went to Birmingham, and we ended up in Selma. Now, we're a motley-looking crew. One of the uh, preachers invited her son came along because in Texas they have critical race theory, and the young man hadn't heard a lot about these, these stories, the civil rights stories, so I call him Youngblood was with us. So he was 17, and then we had our folks that were on canes who, who had worked in the civil rights movement. We were white and black, we were straight and we were queer. We were able-bodied and not able-bodied. And so upon leaving the memorial to peace and justice, which is uh, Brian Stevenson's magnificent work down in Montgomery, we left that memorial and it's a memorial that, that lifts up over 4,000 men and women, boys and girls, that were lynched from the late 1800s up until 1954. The Spirit of the Lord came upon us. 
What a motley looking group we were. Someone in the group started to sing a song that is familiar in the black church, which says, we come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in God's holy word. My God has never failed me yet. Can't turn around. We come this far by faith. God has never failed. Singing and crying our sorrow. But you know what happened in that moment when we were together as a community? God's love was there and we started to dance. <laughs> we started, our, the tears went away. They were kind of still in our heart, but we began to see how God's power can heal us when we are in community. Amen. Oh, South, we are on a path, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing this morning, and I'm so honored that this congregation named the Phyllis Wheatley Room. That's something big. That is big. We are finding God's love within this community. We are finding that God is taking us to do some new things some new things, getting rid of some of these frogs that are too much for us. And I say this because this I know. The same God that brought our ancestors out of Egypt is that same God that brought African Americans out of slavery into the light. And it is that same God that keeps us up with that list. You got a list, I know you do. It's that same God that wants to partner with us to build a future where the first are last and the last are first, but a different kind of future, a future that does not reflect the reversal of privilege and penalty, but a future where there is no first or last because everybody, everybody is treated with respect and love to be the equal child of God that they have been made to be and to be deeply held in this love. And Pharaoh said, what's the title of the sermon? One more night with the frog. That is too long. That is too long. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen.